0: I'm obsessed with band names. I've had this like a long running obsession in my life with band names. And I could talk for like 45 minutes about the band name Aerosmith with you because I think it's the most beautiful band name that's ever been.
1: Wait, give me the too long, didn't read version.
0: Aerosmith could be the band name for any band. It is a beautiful word that means almost nothing. And it's really, really unfortunate that the band Aerosmith has the band name Aerosmith. If there was a band that opened for Sun called Aerosmith, they would fucking rip. Aerosmith is like one of the best band names that's ever been and ever will be. And Aerosmith the band is one of my least favorite bands ever. Sell me on the e on the a e r. Oh, that's because- like the, it's so sexy and like mysterious. Like it could just be a r r o w, and it's like someone who makes arrows. Okay, whatever, Jethro Tull, get a life. But instead, it's <laughs> like. A E R O S M I? Like, whoa. Is it like a German space corporation or is it like, do they (laughs) make race cars? What is it? And I am into it. These tools are for you to use.
1: Hey, I'm Dave Marr, a comedian who survived a coma and woke up with more questions than answers. And you're listening to This Is Your Afterlife. My guest this week is Matt Sage. Matt Sage is a musician, a pioneer in the world of socially distanced art creation, along with his three bandmates, Chris Jussel, Chaz Primeck, and Patrick Shiroishi. They they created four albums this past year to coincide with the seasons. The most recent one is called Natsukashi, the summer album. The first one was called Fubatsushi, And that is now the name of their band. And they they create this magical music that has been very important to me over the last year in terms of getting me through walks and naps and mornings writing while being in a fucking pandemic. I will link a story in the Chicago Reader in the show notes about Fubitsushi and their process You can hear an expanded version of this conversation if you subscribe to my Patreon, patreon.com slash Dave Marr. I just released a playlist of all Rhodes Piano music. I'm really happy with it. I'm really excited about it. I want to share it with more people. If you sign up for even $3, you will get that playlist. I also want to give a shout out to my Pigeon Level subscribers, Katie Llewellyn, Kurt Chang, Susie Carroll, and Fred Fidoa. Thank you all for making this show happen. Thank you you for listening. And with only a little further ado, we will get into my conversation with Matt. That further ado is a Walt Whitman poem that Matt sent me called "This Compost," and he he was he said this poem is basically the closest thing to a uh, a belief I have about the afterlife, and we agreed that I would read it before we got into this interview. And before that, I'm going to start a little music. This is Fubatsushi, their most recent album. The final song, which is called I Hold Dearly, in parentheses, for miles. I'll get that music going now. And here it is This Compost by Walt Whitman. One Something startles me where I thought I was safest. I withdraw from the still woods I loved. I will not go now on the pastures to walk. I will not strip the clothes from my body to meet my lover the sea. I will not touch my flesh to the earth as to other flesh to renew me. Oh, how can it be that the ground itself does not sicken? How can you be alive, you growths of spring? How can you furnish health, you blood of herbs, roots, orchards, grain? Are they not continually putting distempered corpses within you? Is not every continent worked over and over with sour dead? Where have you disposed of their carcasses, those drunkards and gluttons of so many generations? Where have you drawn off all the foul liquid and meat? I do not see any of it upon you today, or perhaps I am deceived. I will run a furrow with my plow. I will press my spade through the sod and turn it up underneath. I am sure I shall expose some of the foul meat. 2. Behold this compost, behold it well. Perhaps every mite has once formed part of a sick person, yet behold. The grass of spring covers the prairies. The bean bursts noiselessly through the mold in the garden. The delicate spear of the onion pierces upward. The apple buds cluster together on the apple branches. The resurrection of the wheat appears with pale visage out of its graves. The tinge awakens over the willow tree and the mulberry tree. The he-birds carol mornings and evenings while the she-birds sit on their nests. The young of poultry break through the hatched eggs. The newborn of animals appear. The calf is dropped from the cow, the colt from the mare. Out of its little hill faithfully rise the potato's dark green leaves. Out of its hill rises the yellow maize stalk, the lilacs bloom in the dooryards. The summer growth is innocent and disdainful above all those strata of sour dead. What chemistry, that the winds are really not infectious, that this is no cheat, this transparent greenwash of the sea which is so amorous after me, that it is safe to allow it to lick my naked body all over with its tongues that it will not endanger me with the fevers that have deposited themselves in it, that all is clean forever and forever, that the cool drink from the well tastes so good, that blackberries are so flavorous and juicy, that the fruits of the apple orchard and the orange orchard, that melons, grapes, peaches, plums, will none of them poison me, that when I recline on the grass I do not catch any disease, Though probably every spear of grass Rises out of what was once a catching disease Now I am terrified at the earth It is that calm and patient It grows such sweet things out of such corruptions It turns harmless and stainless on its axis With such endless successions of diseased corpses It distills such exquisite winds Out of such infused fetter It renews with such unwitting looks its prodigal, annual, sumptuous crops. It gives such divine materials to men and accepts such leavings from them at last. So, this is Matt Sage. what do you hope happens when you die?
0: I I have a fantasy version and then something uh, more like what I actually expect to happen. In the fantasy version, it's sort of like uh, disintegrating into this like giant sandy desert that's just like bliss and everything happens and nothing happens and that's it. And it might last for a second, but it also might last for an eternity. That's what I hope for. Where does the desert factor in? In what way is it? Well, just like uh, I'm one piece of sand That becomes a part of a giant. It's like the bowl of milk idea, kind of. (laughs) Wait, wait, is the bowl of milk similar to the like wave in the ocean? Yes, you got it. That's kind of what I hope for. That's like my ultimate hope is something more along those lines. What I actually expect is that I'm just going to be like some energy on planet Earth that gets redistributed into leaves and dirt and grass. And that's also really sexy to me. I'm excited about that, too.
1: It sounds like there's no individual consciousness in the second one. Not as much, no. In the first one, is there? Is it like you're part of things, but there's still a little bit of you that has traces, vestigial
0: madness? I think part of why it would be paradise is because we all would carry that little piece of ourselves into that whirlpool of existence. Mm -hmm. And we would also all get to be together in that with that like individuality. But I think that that's to pie in the sky. I think ego death is probably the best thing that can happen to a human being. At least me as a person, I love myself and have gone to therapy a long time to get to those places. (laughs) But I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that we burden ourselves with carrying around this giant ego that we like tie around our neck and have to bring into every room we go into. Mm -hmm. And I think it would just be really nice to not have that eternity is a long time to not have it and that sounds pretty exciting but even if it's just for like a moment and then like we start building ego again when we reestablish into a grass or dirt or whatever i don't know does dirt have an ego that's another question i guess but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but i grew up like hardcore evangelical christian and so okay i sort so of had to make me my too what like what flavor of evangelical uh, It was non-denominational, Same. which I yeah, think yeah, is yeah. like maybe one of the most tricky flavors because then it's like like one week, someone's speaking in tongues at your church. And then the next week, it's just like everyone does p- like praise and worship. And then at the Christmas service, there's like interpretive dancing to Enya. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. That was sort of my upbringing in the church. And okay. so- uh, That was
1: my next question was speaking in tongues, yes or no? Because I've learned that a lot of-
0: non-denominational churches did not speak in tongues which is mine definitely did but it was like a specific section there was like three rows that sat at the front left and that was like where you would go to speak in tongues and then everyone else was just like oh yeah they're speaking in tongues this week did your church make tapes of the pastor's sermons Hell yeah. The first tape duplicators we ever used to make Patient Sounds tapes, like the first three Patient Sounds tapes were dubbed on duplicators bought from a church that was shutting down. That like duplicated pastors' sermons. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And people would travel with those vinyl Covered sets. It was like the set on wealth or on yep. disciplining your
0: children. Or our we our church had a thing. Uh, the pastor got really into this series called Street Wise, and I can't remember. It was an acronym, of course, and I can't remember. Wait, uh, it was a like nine or ten yeah, letter acronym. It was a huge acronym, and. <laughs> There was like giant felt banners that said streetwise and there was like all of these words. Uh, And then there was like a whole streetwise series of tapes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
1: Let's Mm -hmm. talk about funeral planning.
0: I have three options depending on the legality of the options. (laughs) Okay. I'm going to go most illegal first. Yes. Funeral pyre is my like first I would love to be burned on a funeral pyre, but it is illegal in 49 states, except for Colorado, where I'm from. It is now legal to be burned on a funeral pyre. Number two is a mushroom suit. Do you know about the mushroom suit? I'm thinking of Corpus Mundi,
1: the egg that a tree grows out of. You put your body in the egg with all these nutrients and it grows into a tree, yeah, which has which come cool up
0: innumerable times on the cool show. As hell. Yeah. I feel like the mushroom suit is like the deeper cut of the Corpus Mundi. <laughs> okay. The B-side Corpus Mundi. <laughs> yeah. It's like Mundi. a B-side nugget. It's basically like a suit full of mushroom spores and they bury you in the ground without anything else around you, but this mushroom suit and the mushrooms use your body and decompose you very very quickly and then attach you to the mycelial network so like you become a part of planet earth very quick you get plugged in right away you help trees communicate to each other so the mushroom suit and then uh if all else fails uh cremation and then my ashes would be scattered in a lake any lake uh there's a specific lake in Colorado yeah it's in Nebraska actually my dad's from Nebraska This is like a whole other thing, but I just put an an a solo album out called The Wind of Things. That's sort of Mm -hmm. like about my experiences. My dad was a competitive sailboat racer in Nebraska as a kid and then like became nationally renowned as like a sailboat racer. It's kind of outrageous and very, it's also kind of twee and beautiful. (laughs) Uh, My dad is a rock star. So I grew up on sailboats okay. and uh he grew up sailing on a lake in Nebraska called Lake McConaughey, which is like, uh there's nothing out there, but it's like 26 miles long and three miles across. It's just like huge, huge lake in the middle of Nebraska. And we used to go two or three times a year. And some of my happiest moments in my life were at that lake. So, yeah. The mushroom suit. Yes, Not that's, but that's uh, really like the pyre is really cool to me, but I don't think it's going to happen. I real the mushroom suit is really where I'm at. I feel like mushroom suit to me is cooler than pyre cuz it's longer
1: lasting it's you could make a like pollution argument about the pyre not that I need to like filter the options and like approve of them I'm just like checking in with my body like how do these land for me and yeah I'm I'm intrigued but creeped out by the mushroom suit
0: Yeah it's uh that's definitely the m- most exciting I am about one. Mm -hmm. The pyre I think would just be cool because it's like getting cremated, but in like the coolest fashion, you know, but the the mushroom suit is really more at the core of my spiritual beliefs. That's like where I would, I would like to be, I would like to be wrapped in mushrooms and shoved into the earth. That sounds great.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Next thing I have for you is sort yeah. of a prompt. It's based on my last one-man show. I had this premise where in the afterlife you get to fully relive one memory. It's like a room you step into. It's not that you're it's playing in your mind. It's like you are down in it and you can pop out of it whenever you want. You're not stuck.
0: It's like a holodeck kind of. Uh y- y- that you like Star Trek style like
1: transport yeah. to. Yeah, 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 exactly. Okay. And you can come okay. back whenever. So okay. if that were the case, what memory would you choose to relive?
0: Okay, so I listened to previous episodes, so I've been thinking about this, and I have an okay, okay, ready, great. Uh, so Lynette and I had unexplained infertility for four years as we tried to have a kid, and we didn't really know why we weren't able to get pregnant. But we like went to a bunch of doctors and did a bunch of tests, and it didn't work for four years, and it was like really complicated. And during COVID. We ended up qualifying through our insurance to get an IVF. And so we went through the IVF process. And then we're at like the very last step before we find out if we were going to have a baby and if we were going to implant the baby and all this kind of stuff. We were like at the very last phase of that. And this is also peak COVID. And I'm type 1 diabetic. And so I was like at home all the time because I had to be safe. Uh, Why are you smiling? (laughs) Are you also diabetic? I'm a type 1 diabetic. Oh, cool. I think I saw a uh, Dexcom on your on your Instagram somewhere, but
1: Oh, um, yeah, 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 yeah. Um yeah, that just Yeah, it's, it's freaking me out a little bit. The the yeah. similarities are like a little Here we go. uh upsetting and they need to stop. But okay, no, I'm sorry. Yeah, 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 no, but I I was in the same boat of like not sure how I'm to like, exist. Well, and like I know I'm Technically immunocompromised, but it seems maybe not as much as, say, like an asthmatic or
0: something. But, but yeah. I read – the statistics I heard was like 70% of adults with type 1 who are exposed to COVID died. 70%. I didn't hear that stat, but thanks for yeah. adding that sorry. to my yeah. – Yeah, I'm sorry. No, no, no but also, I was, Maybe you're welcome. <laughs> no, I was very
1: careful because I wasn't yep. sure how to. So, okay. you're, so but you're stuck inside. I'm. Yeah, we were going through me. this
0: like long – journey. It was really, really taxing. And we were at like the very last phase of that. And we were like, we need to get out of town. This has been like grueling. Also, this is kind of important to know is that we used to have two really lovely dogs. The first one died the first week of lockdown. We had to put the first one to sleep because she (sighs) had a stroke. And then the second one died in September. So it was March and September from uh, dog dementia. So we had like a very taxing first wave of COVID. And so then we were really burned out. We were really tired and we were like, okay, let's just get out of town. And we went to... Wisconsin to the Cattle Moraine Forest. And it was like late September, early October and the leaves were just changing. Everyone was still like very in the COVID thing and it was like pre-election. But Lynette and I had this walk in the woods that was like the most picturesque, beautiful nature walk in the woods. Like the leaves were gorgeous. And we got like halfway around this trail and it started raining and we didn't have like umbrellas or anything, but it was like warm enough out. And so we got like drenched in the rain and we're like laughing and it was beautiful it's one of those moments where like when I think back on it it was like so good I was like that had to have been someone else's life like how lucky to have lived in this beautiful moment with this person who I love to spend my life with and then like two weeks later we found out that we had like an egg that we could use that was going to get implanted so it was like this really pivotal beautiful moment for us and it had like it was fearful because of covid and like we were sad because we lost our dogs but there was also all of this like hope buried inside of it really you weren't like beat up from the process there was still oh, of course hope we were there. super okay. devastated but there was yeah. hope in it because th- it was the farthest we'd ever gotten okay. and she was like responding well to the treatment that she was doing which like ivf is insane on women's bodies shots every day like several shots a day in some cases It's, it's so crazy. And like, as a diabetic, I was like, oh, come on. Like I take shots and then I saw the needles and I was like, oh fuck, that needle is like three inches long. Oh, they're like like the heavy gauge ones. They're huge. They have like, they're intermuscular. So I have to like, I had to put it into her butt cheek. It was gnarly. And I don't know if I could have done it. And she like, I mean, it's not to say she didn't struggle because that's a human thing, but she just like went through it gracefully and strongly. And we had one egg that could have worked out of the 19 that they retrieved. It was like very slim chances. We got this beautiful kid, but that walk in the woods is this moment. That's like, it's everything and nothing. It was like, like nothing happened, but it was so beautiful. It rained and it was like the best day.
1: My next question requires a little bit of context you would have found out that i was type one at this point anyway because i just kind of
0: i zipped through your instagram and saw a dexcom and was like i think he's one of my people. it's not
1: a dexcom it's a um oh, okay. it's a it's a whatever the medtronic one is oh, okay. but um yeah the- they should be paying you Dude. dude. They do? Oh, that's – I've I've only – this last year – yeah, I don't know what your experience was, but, like, this was the first year that I've identified as, like, a disabled person. Yeah, and weird, I isn't it? It felt so, – I was like, I don't think I'm disabled. I'm just a dude with diabetes. And then it's, like, having eyes, like, glued open to hella marginalized identities. I was like, oh, maybe I – am and what ways am i and i've only recently started paying attention to like diabetes instagram and oh that's a whole world that's like if you don't identify primarily as a diabetic for your personality you know it feels like weird to engage with
0: i also totally get so much of what you're talking about because this was the first time in my life too where I had to own being disabled and that was like really frustrating for me so I totally relate to that I also know this whole thing where you don't want it to be your entire personality because I know those type 1 diabetic people who it's like all they post about it's like all they want to talk about is like what's your ratio like you know or whatever and (laughs) like that's cool and I think that there are communities for people to exist with that but like I've been diabetic since I was seven. And so I don't really know life without it. And so there's like so much other interesting shit I'd rather talk about than like your carb ratio. It's
1: interesting. (laughs) I'm at a point where I'm like, well, it'd be nice to talk to someone about a carb ratio like once every week maybe and be like, hey, is your shit all fucked up too? If you need that person,
0: you can always like hit me up. But it's one of those things. I love it. Yeah. I am not the kind of person though that like. I mean, as like a musician and a creative person, I have like a forward-facing personality and I don't really want that to be like the primary component of my forward-facing personality. It's there and I'm there to talk about it. Just like mental health conditions that I live with and, you know, queerness and all this kind of stuff is all part of that. But like, I would much rather just be that person with the people that I love and then like make music on the side. And, but you were going to talk about, you had a next thing, sorry.
1: No, it's okay. It's great. What was your
0: next thing? I, uh... Don't
1: rush. I, I'll, I'll get to it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. So speaking of type one diabetes, I did the the big one. I was in a coma. How old were a, you? Uh, 30. I just turned okay. 30. Seven years ago okay. now. You've
0: I was also- have been diabetic as long as I wasn't diabetic in my life.
1: Oh, dude. I was diabetic way before the coma. Oh. I, w- oh. I was taking- bad care of myself i was selling the strips to a guy on craigslist you know i was thinking i could ballpark my blood sugars and just kind of freestyle use my pump that way yeah it was bad and i was like high all the time so Mm -hmm. if i had known that i was going into ketoacidosis i would have maybe called someone but instead i just like smoked weed about it and woke up a month later
0: Oh, Um, my God. (laughs) Yeah. That's like my actual nightmare. So and I've like I've been close to some of those instances. So I sort Mm. of get it. Like I, uh, I've got elbows with some of those moments in my life for sure. Well, I don't mean
1: to alarm, but I ask my next question, which is what's your coma? And this is a rare instance where you might think I'm being quite literal, but I'm
0: not. I had a coma, but we can go on. You had a literal coma. I was in a literal coma, yeah. How long? Uh, It was like 16 hours, but my heart stopped twice.
1: Okay, okay. So I like I I legally died. I'm judgmental about lengths of comas, and if I think you're entitled to be judgmental (laughs) because you're a month is what you said. That's a a month. They almost took me off life support. Whoa! And. That night that they almost took me off life support, word spread that I died and people eulogized me.
0: I read a story about you.
1: Yeah, yeah. it was a This American Life thing. Yeah, yeah.
0: I I listened to that.
1: Yeah, yeah, that was me. The
0: pieces come together.
1: Yeah, there you go. How
0: weird to be like, what a relatable story.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So the point being, for the purposes of the metaphor of this question, when I ask what's your coma – What I mean is a moment of transformation where before you were one version of yourself and after, however you want to think of it, you became a new version, you became a new person, something was stripped away.
0: I think my answer is very recent, the birth of my son. Like I don't have other words for it and it feels so cheesy to say this, but it was like the most heroic dose psychedelic experience of my life to like coach my wife through the process or like, you know, be her partner through the process of bringing another human into the world. And like it was not an easy birth for anybody she had a lot of complications and then milo had a lot of complications in the first few days and i have diagnosed ocd and so i was like uh, i have an anxiety disorder and so the whole first two days i didn't sleep Jeez. and was like my blood sugar was like insane and high or low uh, it was, I like I tried to write it at the 200s the whole time just so that I like yeah. didn't get low and mm-hmm. like a moment, you know, but I also didn't want to be 350 the whole time or whatever. But I just like felt miserable. I couldn't sleep. And all of this complaining when like my wife literally lost a liter of blood during labor and like had to get two blood transfusions. Like when people ask me like, what's it like to be a dad? It's sort of like if you have a memory palace, it's like a helpful way for some people to like remember things or organize their memories or whatever. And I'm not a person who keeps like a robust active memory palace or whatever. <laughs> uh, but I will say that having a kid was like, I knew my way around my brain decently at that point in my life and was like, I know what's going on and I'm like healthy and doing well and like therapy kicked ass and it's doing great for me. And then all of a sudden I like moved a box when we had a kid and discovered this like new set of doors and opened it. And it was just like a fucking airplane hanger on the other side, this whole other vacuous, enormous space of my being opened up in front of me. And it was like, all I had was like a match and I could just like see the first 10 feet. And I was like, Oh man, I'm going in. And it's like this whole giant new realm of being a human being that I thought was going to happen, but I had no idea what that first step into that room was going to be like. That's my coma do you spend any time in the previous memory
1: palace or is it like now it's all in this fucking airplane hangar and this is
0: it forever you know what Uh, i mean that's a good question it's weird because i sort of feel like i'm like moving stuff from my first memory palace into the airplane (laughs) like now i'm like starting to realize like oh like this is like a really big space i can like bring cool stuff in here like every time i play a song for him i bring that record into the memory palace or whatever it's like that's sort of how i feel about it but it's also terrifying because there's so many unknowns there's still huge portions of the airplane hangar where the lights won't turn on and like it's dark and you can't see past this like inky blackness of potential but also mystery that's super scary to me fundamental things like what color are his eyes going to be because like baby's eyes don't set into the right color for like or the permanent color for like up to three months
1: right right right. and so
0: it's like little things like that where it's like i wonder if he's gonna have lynette's eyes which are like green or if they're gonna get all like hazily like mine like those little things but then also like what's his sense of humor gonna be like those sorts of questions literally keep me up at night There's so much potential, but that potential is cloaked in this like weird, impenetrable darkness. And it sounds like the space that opened up is his personality. It's maybe not his personality, but it's this whole side of my personality that I didn't really think about existing until I had a kid and then suddenly realized like all of this stuff that's inside of me belongs to him. Mm. Articulating that kind of just fucked me up, honestly, to just say that to you. Because like there's so? all this stuff that I, there's all this stuff in my being in this weird airplane hanger of emotions, becoming a father that exists that I didn't know I contained. And then to suddenly realize that I contain all of this shit and it doesn't belong to me. It's a thing that I owe to this beautiful child. That's become a part of my life is like, it's super exciting and also devastating to realize that there's so much shit that I have. That I owe this kid. (laughs) Like, Mm. you know, and like the in beautiful ways. But I think like it's insane for people to say that they become a parent and they're like, yeah, it's cool. Like, it's the scariest thing that's ever happened to me. (laughs) And (laughs) that's why it's awesome. But it's like terrifying every day. And I think that uh, more people should be more honest about that.
1: That is the show. Thank you so much for listening. Please share it with your friends. Tell your friends about the show. Um, If you haven't subscribed in your app, please do that. Write a review on iTunes. Those always make me feel very nice. Make me know people are listening. Check out Matt and Fubitsushi's work. And until next week, remember, you are a mist. Impossible, you can do miracles.